Thank you for listening to the Institute of World Politics podcast. To learn more about our graduate programs in national security, international affairs, and intelligence, or to support our work in educating future leaders, please visit www.iwp.edu. Great. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in. Um, for those of you who are new, IWP is a graduate school of national security, intelligence, international affairs. We have five master's degree programs, 18 certificates of study, a doctoral program, and two new online master of arts programs. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit iwp.edu. If you would like to support the work of IWP, please visit iwp.edu slash donate. This morning, we'll be hearing from Dr. Mark Hodakevich about the situation in Ukraine. Dr. Hodakevich holds the Kosciuszko Chair in Polish Studies at the Institute of World Politics and leads IWP's Center for Intermarium Studies. At IWP, he also serves as a professor of history and teaches courses on geography and strategy, contemporary politics and diplomacy, Russian politics and foreign policy, and mass murder prevention in failed and failing states. He's the author of Intermarium, The Land Between the Black and Baltic Seas, and numerous other books and articles. He holds a PhD from Columbia University and has previously taught at the University of Virginia and Loyola Marymount University. Dr. Hodakevich, thank you for joining us this morning, and I will hand it over to you. Well, thank you very much for your generous and kind introduction. As always, happy uh, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I'm very glad you could tune in. Uh, what we will do today is um, conduct a uh, uh, conduct a, uh, a rather unusual exercise, a throwback to cold, to Cold War days. Namely, I'll try channeling Vladimir Putin. Uh, first, however, I would like to put away the usual Kremlin trope that Russia feels surrounded and it feels threatened and it's afraid. Therefore, everything who Russia does is defensive in nature and um, that's that. Do you know the Earth's circumference? Well, usually hardly anybody does offhand, but it's something like 42,000 kilometers. Now, do you know Russia's borders, the span of borders? How long are Russia's borders? Well, they are about 68,000 kilometers. That's more than the Earth's circumference. Russia borders with 14 states, many of uh, which had been subjugated by the czars uh, and then the commissars. So poor Russia is surrounded because, from its point of view, because it just has expanded since the 15th century. It marched and conquered every single day, 55 miles or so. It's the last colonial empire on earth. You have to internalize it. 
Right now, Russia is nine times, nine time zones, nine at its peak with the Soviets, the Tsars, it was 11 time zones. It boggles the mind. So please don't see Russia as a victim. And also there is a tendency on America's right to think that everything, including Ukraine, is really Russia. That's that 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 is the source of the misconception: imperialist conquest, not Russia. At any rate, what does Vladimir Putin want to do with Ukraine? Why he wants to conquer it? But how does Ukraine fit into a larger scheme of things? It is an indispensable step to Russia's re-emergence as a superpower. Putin's strategic goal is crystal clear, to overturn the uniparal world of Pax Americana and to restore the bipolar world of the good old Cold War days. His desire for a Manichaean system of international dualism overlooks a crucial factor, namely China. Thus, there is no return to the Moscow-Washington global division. Instead, the Kremlin must reckon with tripolarism, including Beijing, at least for now. At the moment, the Russian Federation maintains a tactical alliance with the People's Republic of China. But this is an alliance of convenience. Arguably, these two powers are sworn adversaries. There is no great Russia with great China and vice versa. They have coalesced for now because of their hatred of and competition against the United States. Left to their own devices, they would most likely be at each other's throats. Well, sooner rather than later, I think. It's not only about a general competition between Russia and China. It's also about a regional one. Both giants share a long border. The area to the north on the Russian side is largely depopulated, but rich in mineral resources and space. Um, the uh, land to the south on the Chinese periphery is the opposite in all ways. Beijing covets what Moscow commands. The conflict between the two giants is a given sometime in the future. For now, however, both would like to kick the US out of the game. This is a strategic goal for both Russia and China. Meanwhile, Russia must undertake appropriate steps to accomplish its global re-ascendancy. That includes conquering Ukraine. So far, Putin has, Putin has uh, shown that he lost his patience and chucked sophisticated rules of statecraft with their intricacies of public diplomacy, active measures, and incrementalism to the side. As far as Ukraine, the master of the Kremlin has come to rely on crude, naked power buttressed with primitive propaganda. 
please remember, liberating Ukraine from the Nazis. Apparently, he got tired of waiting. Some say Putin must be sick, both mentally and physically, perhaps. More likely, however, he must have realized the fact of his own mortality. The Russian leader is 69. If not now, then when? If not him, then who will make Russia great again? Putin's endgame in Ukraine remains obscure. He listed neutralization and denazification as his desires, but he provided no specifics. Neutralization means no independent foreign policy for Ukraine. Denazification means that Ukrainian nationalism would be forbidden. Perhaps one should say that the Russian strategic goal in this particular war has been morphing. The original objectives seems to have been a swift victory. The fighting was supposed to have been over in two or three days. That's what, by the way, the Pentagon estimated as well. Now, that opinion is out because the Ukrainians have put up a fierce resistance, surprising not only the Kremlin, but also the White House. Neutralizing and denazifying can have a few faces. First, there can be an outright or piecemeal incorporation of Ukraine into Russia. Second, it is the People's Republic model. Lenin and Stalin started with Mongolia and Spain, and after the Second World War, they hoisted the paradigm on all. They foisted the, uh, this paradigm on all um, uh, of their uh, satellites. It was for this reason that Putin considered restoring Ukraine's former president, Viktor Yanukovych, as his puppet. However, whereas this particular discredited politician who escaped to Russia in the wake of the Maidan revolution remains an option, anyone would do. In fact, it would be advisable to find a stooge with a clean slate for the sake of public peace. Third, the Kremlin can partition the conquered land. And here we have several options as for their organizations. For starters, there is Finlandization. From 1940 under Stalin, Helsinki was left free to practice its democracy and free market capitalism while it had no independent foreign policy. Moscow called the shot. Next, the People's Republic option can either be unitary or not. Namely, Putin must be considering a partition of Ukraine into several units of various degree of dependency on Russia. For example, for years now, Russian politicians have dangled Western Ukraine as a present to the Poles. The area, the area with the city of Lviv, now Lviv, 
used to be a part of the Polish Republic, say seized by Stalin in 1939, which by the way, the US and the UK approved in the Yalta Agreement of 1945. Putin himself offered Lvov to a previous liberal Polish government with about 10 years ago. I think there was a cover-up. The, the prime minister failed to inform um, his colleagues and uh, 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 Polish public at large. Nonetheless, the offer was rejected or at least glossed over in silence. Further, Western Ukraine could either be incorporated into Poland or it could be set up as a rump Ukrainian state. Either Finland dies or sovereign and thus permitted to join NATO, if NATO will have it, a Ukrainian Piedmont, a staging point for future Ukrainian revanchism against the Moscovites. Now, since Putin realizes this, it's uh, not conceivable totally that he would agree to an independent Western Ukrainian rump state. It would harbor revanchist thoughts for good reasons, and it would like to restore Ukraine in total. All in all, Putin has made his move, and now he's stuck. The longer the Ukrainians resist, the weaker the Russian president's prestige becomes, and a greater the likelihood of the war in Ukraine turning into a Chechen-like quagmire. Now, force is always the ultima ratio, in particular in an empire rebuilding effort. Thank you very much. We now have time for questions. All right, yeah, so we will take questions now. Um, if you have questions, please feel welcome to comment in the Q&A section um, at the bottom of your Zoom screen. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, you can comment um, your questions in the comment section as well. All right, so we'll give it a few seconds here. Let attendees type in their questions. I'll see if we have any on Facebook. Um, we do have a question here. Um, what is the risk of tactical nuclear weapons should Putin be concerned? Well, should Putin be concerned? We should be concerned. We should be concerned because- oh, should, I'm sorry, should Putin be know, cornered? I'm sorry. <laughs> should he be cornered? You mean yeah. 68,000 kilometers of borders being overrun? No, that's not going to happen. Uh, there is concern. We should be concerned because in Russian military doctrine, uh, the use of tactical nukes is very welcome. And from what I understand, uh, from what I understand, uh, the Russian army did bring the nukes along with them. 
they are, I don't think they have been deployed in Ukraine, inside of Ukraine. They may be in the Donbass, but um, they, they can be ready to go anytime. If, if Putin decides to make an example of, say, Kharkiv, or maybe a, a place further out to the west, why not? That would be a momentous move, but remember, he is 69. Usually, uh, dictators start their march when they are a little bit younger. And uh, what better way to make a splash than fire off a nuke? The Soviets conducted in their time I, about what, 450 or more nuclear tests in Kazakhstan, uh, just to let us know that they could. And those were tests, test explosions. So he's shown that uh, he really uh, doesn't care. He's chucked uh, uh, incrementalism to the side. I was convinced that he would, he would build a land bridge, so he would attack a, to create a land bridge to Crimea. And then the West would moan and forgive him. But no, he's going all the way now. I have, uh, I have, yes, I have a bunch of questions here. Can you read them? Yeah, so we got a bunch okay. coming in. So okay. um, next question. How likely is it that what Russia What about neighboring be... countries of Ukraine? This is the first one. So I'll take this one. What about neighboring countries of Ukraine? What Russia expects there? Well, Russia expects them to be scared and fall in line. So whether it's Hungary or Estonia, they're supposed to remain frozen. He graciously permits uh, the refugees from Ukraine to run to those countries. He hasn't closed borders. And so far as I know, he's not been bombing uh, refugee columns because he'd like to destabilize those countries. Uh, so and later, those countries are on the menu, the Baltic states primarily, unless something happens in Kazakhstan, then he'll turn there. Please remember that uh, imperialism is a crime of opportunity. The second one, the next question is, you have described Putin's goals, but how do you see this war ending? Well, that's an interesting question. It may uh, end by surrender, in a variety of ways. One is surrender. Uh, so far, the Ukrainians haven't shown any will to surrender. Uh, it, there may be a diplomatic com compromise, so a greatly reduced and neutralized Ukraine, and uh, finally, it may turn into Chechnya. The Ukrainians have shown their will to fight. There are, there are territorials. Ukraine has been pretty libertarian as far as, uh, as, far as uh, access to weapons for private citizens. There are plenty of people who are pretty upset. So, there may be a, a, a never-ending, unfrozen conflict. And then it may turn into a frozen uh, conflict. It all depends. It's, uh, as I said, the fog of war is very thick, information overload. 
So I've done my best to channel Putin, but short of him inviting me and having a chat over sushi, I don't think uh, I would know anything more than what I have figured out. And there's no guarantee that when he invites me or if he invites me, uh, he would be telling the truth. Deception is his forte, as you know. So, oh, so that's the goals. Here's another question. Hello, Mr. Rice. What do you make of the reports that the Ukrainian government is negotiating and a deal is in the works? Is there any deal that would be acceptable to both Putin and the Zelensky government? Of course it's negotiating. The Bolsheviks and the Moscovites have always negotiated. Negotiations are a strategic tool of deception. Uh, Lenin invited a Polish delegation during at the height of the Polish-Bolshevik war, and he deceived the Poles, Polish diplomats, that, uh, that uh, uh, the Bolsheviks were winning outside of Warsaw when he knew they were losing. But the Polish negotiators were stuck, and had it not been for their iron nerves, they would have made the same mistake that Polish diplomats who were negotiating for Western help in, in the West made. Namely, they caved into the British and French who were interested mostly, especially the British, David Lloyd George, namely, in appeasing Lenin and the communists. So Polish diplomats caved in and agreed to whatever the British uh, proposed. You should, you should show up for negotiations uh, under such circumstances to show goodwill, in particular because your, let's just say, distant friends in the West uh, make noises about peace. And you should show up, smile politely, and tell Russian negotiations to get out of Ukraine. Or, you know, don't make concessions under a gun pointed at your head. That's not good diplomacy. Besides, any agreement made under duress is not valid under Roman law. So Ukrainian negotiators can agree to anything and then just say, go fly a kite. That would be the last resort if, if um, Ukraine's leadership resolved to, to uh, uh, have more room to maneuver and use such a tactic. So, is there any hope for an internal coup against Putin by his own people? Well, <laughs> Hope springs eternal, you never know, but the probability of a coup is very, um, uh, very mild. I'm not saying that we should exclude that option, especially since Putin has thrown thunders at the FSB and uh, the army leadership. Uh, if you have been purged, I think now Putin has 
given a speech about the presence of the fifth column in Russia. I don't think he means poor, poor liberals in Russia. Uh, I don't think he means a, a couple of good souls, pro-Western, um, uh, uh, pro-Western politicians, activists, and generally what we refer to as the middle class in Russia. I think he means someone inside. The fifth column is always a, a secret operation. So if Putin detects plots, there will be heads rolling. I don't know if he's serious enough to make them roll literally, but well, we shall see. So there is a possibility, there is, there is a great possibility that uh, in self-defense, there may now be something brewing. But uh, as I said, uh, you also have to think about the law of unintended consequences. If there is a coup, who's going to replace Putin? Certainly not a Kerensky. There may be even a worse devil than he is. It doesn't mean I uh, don't wish for a coup because that would throw things off. And when you kill the Sultan, there is confusion for a while, which would buy Ukraine uh, some space. And sometime it would also help the West, including Poland. But I don't quite know what uh, the West would do whether the West would be able to take advantage from this. And I mean, in times of trouble, don't intervene directly because that tends to rally the masses to um, the government, vlast, authority. And here's another question. What is the risk for Poland? Well, Poland's definitely on the menu. It won't be the first to be taken. For the most part, I don't think there is a, a direct danger. Although, a, after re-stitching the Soviet Union, if Poland is in wimpy, liberal, progressive hands that a, are more interested in, in a, a lifestyle revolution, than in defense of Poland, then it's quite feasible that uh, the, the, the Russians will roll from Kaliningrad, from Königsberg, Krulevets, and Belarus, not just, to, uh, not just to overwhelm Lithuania, but also into Poland. If they think that uh, Poland is so rotten, because of its, uh, of its corruption by leftism, the Russians will roll in. So nothing can be excluded. If, however, Poland stays traditional, nationalist, patriotic, and strong, then the Russians will bid their time. But definitely the empire never stops unless it is stopped or internal troubles develop. That's just the nature of the uh, beast. So how has Putin been able to hold, have power for so long? Well, the cop-out answer is because he can. And 
more complex answer would be number one. There was no decommunization and no de-KGBization in Poland. When I talked back 30 years ago to Russian liberals, they bristled, what, you want us to have uh, witch hunts? Just like in Poland, witch hunts? No, no. We have now democracy and liberalism. Uh, we shall, we should embrace everybody. Um, they've changed. No. As Putin said himself, a Czechist is always a Czechist. So a secret policeman remains a secret policeman. The mistakes were made about 30 years ago. They, the Russian liberals were incapable of it, obviously. They should have gotten rid of the KGB. They should have gotten rid of the witches that had tormented and mass murdered them for so many years. They didn't. They had a chance. All you have to do is read Vladimir Bukowski, who was one of the foremost uh, voices, a friend of the Institute, our, our, our academic board member. And he wrote about it and talked about it until he was blue in the face. He didn't, he was a libertarian, by the way. He didn't have too many uh, to emulate him in Russia. What is your expectation for the duration of Putin's military assault? Well, I think I've answered the question. The fog of war, he can stop today or pretend to stop, create a frozen conflict, solidified what he has, or he can go all the way until he stops on the Polish border, or, or he'll uh, go part of the way. He prefers, by nature, subversion. He'd like the Ukrainians to roll, to, to surrender. He'd like to deceive them and then do as he pleases while promising everything. Amnesty or uh, autonomy, it won't matter. So he will continue bombing and it's escalating. Uh, the weapons the Russians have been using are increasingly cooler. Uh, smart munitions uh, have been running out. So we will see more civilian casualties. Please explain the Polish background and strategy of offering the MiG 29th throughout the US, or through the US. Well, I've written about it. If you're interested, I, I have a column on Newsmax. I devoted one of them to, uh, uh, to Polish MiGs. From the moment of the invasion, the Ukrainians have been asking for help, weapons, including the MiGs. And at one point, Ukrainian defense ministry put out a disinformation piece. Namely, they claim that the Poles had agreed not only to give their MiGs, and, uh, but also to host Ukrainian uh, fighters, pilot, pilots, on Polish, airport, uh, on Polish airports, military airfields. Uh, further, the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense falsely claimed that Slovakia and Bulgaria have also had also agreed to give up their MiGs and Suhoi planes. And lo and behold, 
Joe Biden's administration, the State Department in particular, started to egg the polls on as if it were the truth. The president and prime minister of Poland disavowed the information several times, but the pressure from the State Department, or at least public statements, continued coming. So the poll said, okay, great, but we're NATO. Uh, and there are other members in the alliance. Since the United States is the big cheese, here you go. We'll fly our MiGs and hand them over at Ramstein to the United States Air Force and then let all the alliance members with America's blessing to decide if they want to pass them over to, uh, uh, to uh, Ukraine. The Poles believe that if they give the MiGs directly to uh, the Ukrainians, that would be Casus Belli. And they cannot do that because they're NATO without any consultation. So the next best thing is to let America decide. Putin threatened uh, massive retaliation. If, un if anybody helped Ukraine, and remember, flying sorties out of Poland would be like an aerial Hoshimin trail. You think the Russians would put up with it? Of course not. So uh, the Poles said, if we give up our MiGs, we'd also like to apply for F-16s to replenish our fleet. And that's, in a nutshell, what, what happened. Is there any chance the oligarchs may undermine Putin's position? Well, the oligarchs exist at the whim of Putin. Uh, their position is quite weak outside of the matrix permitted to them by Putin. They are not independent players as they were back in the 1990s. So if Putin goes, their power crumbles and they would most likely be replaced in such a scenario by new oligarchs. Okay, so we have next question would be, um, how much humanitarian toll should the Western world tolerate? Oh, the West is infinitely flexible morally. Look at Cambodia and Pol Pot. Did, I, did anybody do anything? No. So I know we have live pictures from Ukraine and that may bother uh, uh, some people or many normal people. However, everyone after a while gets sick and tired of atrocities. And there will be atrocities somewhere else, maybe a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. Under such circumstances, the people's attention span, which is quite short, will be re redirected somewhere else. Putin is patient. We are in the West, uh, a society of instant gratification and a short attention span. So good luck with um, bringing up anything moral. Let me see. 
do you think that the NATO members of Europe agree with the current approach for support to Ukraine from the US and other NATO members? That's a very nebulous question and I don't know exactly what it means. Will there be a long-term impact in Eastern Europe regarding the flood of Ukrainian refugees? I think NATO members disagree among themselves. The further west you are, the more optimistic your view of Russia. Uh, and the more you are annoyed at the Ukrainians resisting, at least secretly annoyed, because publicly you have to pretend that you are in solidarity with Kiev. Uh, will there be a long-term impact in Eastern Europe regarding the flood of Ukrainian refugees? Of course there will be. There are already two million refugees in Poland alone. The French, uh, the French say that they're expecting at least 100,000, so some of them will leave Poland and go stay with relatives in Germany, France, uh, and England, mostly. The Netherlands has already uh, pledged not to accept anybody. Same Sweden. Sweden said it would send a few million dollars for humanitarian reasons to Poland because Sweden was um, busy taking third world refugees and then it now feels overwhelmed. So for now, at least, it's not opening its hearts or purses really to um, uh, refugees from Ukraine. And here's another uh, question. Can every free world democratic system win with the evil empire? Of course. We kicked their butts. But we had Ronald Reagan, Pope John Paul II, and Margaret Thatcher. And we had a uh, communist leader, Gorbachev, who had no stomach for mass murder. Don't take me wrong. He didn't mind uh, maybe scores, hundreds of dead as um, Lithuania, Georgia, and Armenia demonstrated. But uh, when the KGB went to him, allegedly, and said it would take a million to three million exterminated in the Soviet Union to calm things down, because Pierestroika and Glasnost had gotten out of hand, Gorbachev balked. He did approve of the Tiananmen Square massacre, he just uh, didn't see a chance to um, preside over a limited massacre like the Tiananmen Square of uh, June 1989. So he let it go. However, the reason why Gorbachev was put in power is because of a massive massive offensive by the United States at the material level and a stupendous counterattack at the spiritual level from the Vatican. Neither the French nor the Germans wanted any of it. They were very comfortable with Ostpolitik in Bonn, in West Germany, so closing up to the Soviets, and the French spoke like the Americans and secretly acted like the Germans. That was the end game of the Cold War. So yes, can free world democratic system ever win with the evil empire? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Not under the present leadership, though. 
Would Putin resort to nukes or is that a negotiating tool? Both. I've already answered it. Can you comment about the vast number of refugees leaving Ukraine? I've already answered it. Poor people. Uh, what I can tell you is that the Poles welcomed them. Everybody. Everybody. There was um, a, a, there was a, a, an article in the Haaretz, I think, today or yesterday, a, describing how Ukrainian Jews have found shelter. The Poles eschewed building refugee camps. Instead, uh, the refugees, mostly women and children, and young men who bribed the border guards to get in because no one is supposed to get out able-bodied uh, of Ukraine. So everybody's staying either at gyms, schools, churches, uh, or private apartments and homes. A friend, a friend has just told me he had a Ukrainian in the basement because there is a Ukrainian lady in my basement. Uh, so the Poles have been fabulous. They open up their hearts. There is one uh, uh, exception. Because Lukashenko opened up his border and there was a surge of, of um, uh, tourists who had stormed previously the Polish frontier to enter illegally and using force the European Union, uh, he, he, Lukashenko prompted them to go to Ukraine. Some of them, uh, some of them, and they are all from uh, the Middle East, Central Asia, and Africa. Some of them managed to to slip into Ukraine and join the flood of refugees. Some were intercepted by the Polish border guards, and they are in separate uh, holding facilities, not refugee camps. Um, there are foreign students, from instance, from uh, from India, the Poles who escaped from Ukraine, the Poles welcomed them, and they are on their on the planes back, going back home to India. So it's a it's a huge topic. Maybe I'll uh, write a, write something about it. What is the Jewish world capable to accomplish in this conflict? Thousand. Thousands escape, ra escaped Russia and Ukraine. Oh, what is the Jewish world? When you, then you have to ask the president of the Jewish world, and that wouldn't be me. A, if you mean what uh, Israel has been doing, it's been evacuating Jewish people, taking care uh, uh, that they don't, that they are not harmed. Uh, does Ukraine have the capability to strike Moscow, specifically the Kremlin? I suppose there are fantasies about kamikazes, but Ukraine gave up its nukes in 1994. We, the United States and other Western powers guarantee, and Russia guaranteed Ukraine's sovereignty, independence, and borders for the price of them giving up their nukes. I hope the world watches and listens. Do not give up your nukes if you're, if you're faced with aggression. Keep the nukes. They're a great deterrent. They allowed us to maintain peace during the Cold War. It's a paradox. 
but I hope Poland will get nukes, or at least uh, consider U.S. forces armed with nukes in Poland as a deterrent. We all know that oh, the operation is not going according to the plan in Russian Nepoplan. Russians are stalled and Putin needs to escalate to de-escalate. One of his options is to NATO be involved in this crisis attacking EG Poland. How likely is this? As I said, not at the moment, although if he has the momentum, he may not stop. So it can be excluded, but very unlikely. And with no off-ramp for Putin regime, why not use tactical nuclear weapons to make the West to start peace talks? Well, the West has been in ongoing peace talks. So you don't need, as Putin, additionally to nuke anybody to get the West to a negotiating table. So this is, uh, anyway, a bit convoluted. Is there a possibility of a coup in Belarus and how do they play into Putin's calculations? Well, the news out of Belarus today is that, or yesterday, is that uh, uh, Putin and Lukashenko signed a new treaty allowing an unimpeded traffic of Russian and Belarusian citizens back and forth which is a serious step toward, toward um, uh, integration of Belarus into the Russian Federation. Of course, Lukashenko would then be demoted to a local satrap, a governor, so he will drag his feet, but right now that's where it stands. So I don't think anybody unless Putin wants a coup in, in, in Belarus, finally to get rid of Lukashenko so he could gobble up Belarus. But I don't think so. It's, it's not necessary at, at the moment. Look, look at Chechnya. Kadyrov, who used to be a Mujahideen, made a deal with Putin. And he has been the tyrant of his uh, little Islamic Republic for a long while. It all stayed that way. There are Chechen. Chechen fighters um, on both sides, by the way, in Ukraine, most of them on the Russian side. Can the Western world use cyber technology to undermine Putin? Of course it can. Allegedly, there are 300,000 hackers, non-government, so NGOs, attacking Russia every day. They even hijacked a Russian satellite, apparently, for a while at least. Uh, but remember about the law of unintended consequences. So you destroy any and all links to Russia through cyber attacks. And then what? You think Putin's going to care? I think 10 years ago, I wrote an article about it maybe 12 years ago. Uh, most likely the Kremlin released a virus which attacked the Russian Federation, and all the post-Soviet states. It was called the, the Red October. Just Google my name in Red October. This was a counterintelligence operation. Following that, I think, fake 
virus attack, which was very real, like the Operation Truth or Trust. Following the, that attack, Putin restored typewriters and rehired typists in the Kremlin. I'm not saying there are no computers in the Kremlin, but he's just fine. He'll be just fine going to the Stone Age. We can sanction him all he wants. I will um, uh, recall a sentence, um, a crude statement by Poland's communist government spokesman in reaction to Reagan's and American sanctions for, for having had crushed solidarity. The government spokesman, Jerzy Urban, said, sneered, the government will always feed itself. This is not the domain of uh, uh, Moscow only to be that callous towards its own people. Remember, a Pakistani uh, prime minister publicly announced back in the 70s that the Pakistani people will eat grass but Pakistan will have a nuclear weapon. And guess what? They ate grass. They are still very poor, but Pakistan is a nuclear power. So uh, do not underestimate the utility of uh, cyber technology, sanctions, etc. cetera. Uh, uh, it's not the philosopher's stone. It's not the magic bullet that will kill the vampire and will live happily ever after. Uh, what do you make of his latest address to the public? Which latest address? His latest address was uh, the fifth column. So is he alluding to returning to the time of the gulags, um, gathering everyone who may oppose his views to ensure that there is not a plot against him? Yeah, I don't think, I mean, the gulags are still there. There are plenty of political prisoners in the gulags. Most of them are criminal, uh, but plenty of political prisoners. Uh, so the way I see it, he may figure that he has to replace people who, uh, people who uh, uh, failed him with young bloods. That's the nature of any purge. And since Russia is not a democracy, it's not a constitutional republic, the promotion mechanism is very obscure. For instance, under Stalin, the only way to advance was to denounce somebody or, uh, then, or to conduct a purge, remove people. And under Stalin, the mechanism of promotion of social mobility ran with blood. Is Putin go all the way there? Mm. Not he's not going to be Stalin. He's not Stalin. He's not even Stalin Jr. And he's 69. Anything is possible, of course, but that's highly unlikely. Uh, the apparent consensus, hi, Agration. The apparent consensus of the bevy of retired US generals was that Ukraine would fall in a few days. They were clearly wrong. To what extent did those opinions influence military aid to Ukraine? Of course they influence aid to Ukraine, any aid, including humanitarian aid, because why bother? Putin's going to be in power any time soon, so it'll be his business. 
on all fronts, including humanitarian fronts. Later, we'll negotiate with them and show our generosity. Uh, I think the United States government, the Biden administration thought that Ukraine was as good as lost. So they didn't really care. And there, by the way, in the Ukrainian resist resistance, you see the power of nationalism. The power of nationalism, they care about their country. Those who fight are definitely patriots. And it looks like there is enough of them, Ukrainians who understand that freedom ain't free. Sometimes you have to give your life. Always you have to sacrifice. So the Pentagon, again, uh, because most intellectuals who advise the Pentagon are materialists, once again, our government has overlooked spiritual factors. If you care enough, you don't care how many tanks the Russians have. You fight them. Remember Braveheart? That's why everybody loved Mel Gibson. He fought. And that's the key. If you care, you fight. And you can die. But what? You want to live forever? How can the West best foster a positive movement in Intermarium and Russia towards liberty, rule of law, and capitalism should the Putin regime fall? Well, uh, you can be proactive and enable the freedom fighter. Usually what the US does is uh, hooks up with people in power. So if the regime falls, there will be a lot of people with money and power connected to Putin who would like to pretend they were not connected to Putin and stay in power. Uh, channeling the State Department and our many of our intellectuals, the uh, US pragmatically backs them because they're partly the devil they know and partly and uh, pragmatically uh, they are uh, the people who the State Department will think can deliver. Uh, or you can create chaos, that's the other extreme, which I'm against. You can say, let the Russian people sort it out. It's um, invest, first of all, this is what the US should do. Provide energy security for Europe through the intermarium. There is already a hub in Poland, which the US, including the Army Corps of Engineers, help bring online. Create another one in Croatia and another one in Bulgaria. Supply our energy, which we have plenty, we burn off 70% of our shale gas because we have nothing to, nothing to, to, to uh, uh, do with it. We, we, we have no idea what, what to do with it. So instead of burning it off, send it to Europe. The Poles can give it, send it on to the Germans and the French so those countries would stop moaning that they need Russia for energy. They don't need Russia for energy. Germany needs Russia to get, get rid of the United States. That's why it became energy dependent in the first place. So the plan under the previous American administration was to supply energy to the intermarium and to Europe to protect it and make a lot of money for the United States. 
and American entrepreneurs. It was a win-win situation, which the Biden administration scrapped. Scrapped. Do you think that the Polish and Baltic countries' militaries are encouraged by the poor showing of the Russian military in Ukraine? I would not underestimate the Russian military. Everybody laughs. They've been selling tanks. It turns out their equipment is inferior. Um, yes, it's all true, and it makes for a joke. But I'd like you to remember that in 1939, a bunch of barefooted boys, uh, soldiers of the Red Army, invaded Poland. Many had their rifles attached to a string. They looked like nothing. They looked like a group of bandits. Yet, using deception, surprise, and of course the fact that the Poles bore single-handedly the brunt of uh, the German attack. Thank you very much, France and Great Britain, for being great allies and helping. Uh, taking advantage of that, Stalin's troops, no matter how inferior they were and how much their equipment broke, managed to overwhelm the outnumbered Poles and capture half of Poland, jointly with Hitler and his troops. So, yeah, I would not be lulled into indifference or disrespect. The Russians are what they are, but they do not care how many of them die, or rather the Kremlin doesn't care how high the casualties are. Unas Nogoludie, we have a lot of people. There was a, this was a retort to a diplomat of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth in the 16th century by a representative of Ivan the Terrible. We have a lot of people. That's a Mongol reply. That's how Genghis Khan worked. So please, don't be deluded by the internet and uh, a, a media reports. They will march and die. And if Moscow wants to, they will never stop. Why did India not support the sanctions of Russia in the UN? Well, because India is worried about China. If it antagonizes Russia, uh, the Soviet Union used to support India to the hill, take both against China and Pakistan, that India will feel naked. That's very simple. How do you gauge the strength of the opposition movement within Belarus, including foreign legion members composed of Belarus freedom fighters? The, the strength is symbolic. There are a few intrepid souls. Everybody else is either indifferent or immobilized. So much for Belarus. Why Ukraine is not attacking Russian forces within Russia? Because it would do nothing, but I would be against a Ukrainian terrorist attack in Moscow because Ukraine needs to keep up its image as a victim. The moment there are casualties outside of Ukraine, that changes perceptions. So I'm happy the Ukrainians haven't done anything in Russia. Given the precision of our military technology, couldn't the US allies pick off Putin as we did bin Laden? You mean land, uh, 
the Navy SEALs on top of the Kremlin, infiltrate and shoot him? Uh, yes, we can. But I don't think it's in the cards. Technically, we can do a lot of things, which we will not do. <clears throat> if Ukraine prevails, it could be golden times for Intermarium on three, uh, or three C's initiatives. Can you comment? Sure. If it prevails, it will feel its oats. And there already has been talk in Kiev. I'm talking at least for the past seven. When did my book come out? 2012, the debate started about the Intermarium. I'm beating my own drum about a book, Intermarium, that I wrote that, that a few people have read including in Ukraine, Romania, Lithuania, um, uh, Hungary, and Czechia. I received requests for translations, but they wanted it for free. And I'm sorry, it took me seven years to research. So uh, I'm sure they can afford to, uh, um, uh, to uh, come up with uh, a proposition I can't refuse. Uh, so it can be golden years under Ukraine's leadership. Uh, the Poles have largely missed the train. Uh, if, however, the United States agrees to that energy scheme uh, we've been advocating, then Poland will be back in the saddle. And then it can, if it wants to, it can um, cooperate with uh, Ukraine outside, which is outside of NATO and outside of the EU. Brad Lubert to me. In regards to NATO, should NATO be more concerned that Ukraine will try and pull them into the conflict or that Putin will either try and provoke NATO, which he can then use as an excuse to unite Russia and increase his lethality in Ukraine and other parts of Europe? You bet. The Ukrainians are pretty desperate. A, a, a provocation is feasible either from uh, Russia or Ukraine to drag NATO into the war. They are desperate. And the Russians have been probing. They're slaughtering people, not just killing fighters, but they're slaughtering civilians in full view of Europe and nothing. So, this is uh, my last question, uh, uh, and uh, uh, boom, boom. let's uh, answer to Ms. Mohan. Why USA isn't substituting energy supplies to lessen Russian dominance? I don't know. It was a win-win situation I've described in the intermarium. All your questions should be directed at Joe Biden. This is inexplicable. Well, let's just say he's so ideologically blind and married to his green agenda, he doesn't see a way to help. And with this, I have to run, collect my three-year-old from preschool, and then I have a class at 12. So I would like to thank you very much and uh, uh, I'll see you next time we have a little chat.
All right. Thanks, everyone. It's all the time that we have. Um, I'd like to thank Dr. Hodakevich and all of you who tuned in here on Zoom and Facebook for this very important and informative talk. Uh, if you're interested in attending other upcoming events, supporting IWP, or applying to one of our graduate programs, please go to iwp.edu. Again, that's iwp.edu. Thank you, everyone.